Hello everyone, my name is Doilika Gottlieb and I would like to welcome you to European Health Union Now, a podcast series produced by the European Health Forum Gastein for the European Health Union Initiative. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the sixth edition of the podcast series European Health Union Now. To delve further into the European Health Union Initiative and its goals, I will today speak with Dr. Vitenis Andriokaitis, one of the lead initiators of the group. Vitenis is a former Minister of Health of Lithuania, and he was European Commissioner for Health and Food Safety between 2014 and 2019. Vitenis is now a WHO Special Envoy for the European region. A very warm welcome to you, Vitenis, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. A little bit of background to our conversation today. In her September 2020 State of the Union address, the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen called for a European Health Union as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcoming the Commission's proposal, a manifesto was drafted by the initiative, which proposes a more ambitious model of a European health union and calls on political leaders of Europe to commit to creating a solidaric, equitable and people-centered European health union. And who better to have this conversation with than Vitenis Andriokaitis. Vitenis, I remember our first encounter quite vividly. We picked you up from Salzburg Airport as you were about to speak at the European Health Forum Gastein as a commissioner at the time. And I remember the one hour ride to Gastein passed very quickly. And I still remember the touching history of yours that you told me on that day. And besides that, you impressed me with your German knowledge and also your knowledge of the Austrian history. So, uh, Vitenis, would you mind sharing your story with our listeners, telling us a little bit about your family background and also how that helped you make the person that you are today? Thank you. Thank you for your very warm introduction, uh, very good memories about our first meeting in Gastein. Uh, as you know, may I uh, tell you a little bit, I am a person who belongs to generation of uh, Cold War in the European continent. Of course, I was born in 1951. I am old one. And as you know, Lithuania is a country at Baltic Sea, but my birthplace is wilderness of Arctic close to the Laptev Sea. The reason why the place of my birth is thousands of kilometers from the motherland is, is a political reality of that period, especially period before Second World War. At that time, Lithuania was occupied by Soviet Union and Soviet Stalinistic regime uh, deported a lot of people from Lithuania into gulags. The imprisonment of my parents was a manifestation of how the regime was dealing with political opponents, with uh, freedom fighters, and with dissidents. From my childhood, I recall almost you know, a lot of challenges, uh, unbearable cold 
as you know, uh, Arctic nights in winter and 24 hours uh, of, of daylight in summer. Life was very difficult in, in my childhood. But, you know, I am very happy because love of parents, solidarity between people of very different nationalities, which were deported into such Stalin Gulag, uh, helped me to understand reality between different people, different nations, and uh, possibilities to build better understanding humanity, hope that humanity and not brutality will win are the good memories of my childhood. And of course, it helped me, you know, to think about my future steps developing humanity. And I thought about possibility to be as medical doctor and to understand history and reasons can we change situation in European continent and build more peaceful European continent? And it was always in my mind. And uh, after, you know, after coming back to Lithuania, I studied medicine. And of course, I also thought about possibilities to not only treat people, but also treat <laughs> humanity. Why I decided to take uh, opportunities to study medicine and to study history. And now I know that many of medical professionals are distancing themselves from politics uh, and uh, from, you know, being more active uh, in, in public issues. But many, in uh, you know, but we all know what does it mean, health determinants. We see social determinants in health. We see political determinants in health. We see commercial determinants in health. We see a lot of determinants. And when we are thinking about definition of health, health is a state of physical, mental, and social well-being, we need to understand that medical profession should be supported by the better understanding of social and other issues. And I decided to, to join two professions, medical doctor and historian one. And it helped me to understand better situation and to be more active in my political life, defending health as very integral issue and very, you know, very important issue to build better life for all. Thanks so much for sharing the story, Vitanis. And I think whoever knows you knows that how important the humanitarian side is for you. You're not only a health professional, but uh, that is always very high on your agenda. What made you decide to embark on a political career then? I think you did that quite early on already also, right? Yes, of course. No doubt. You know, I am very happy that uh, in, in period of Gorbachev perestroika, uh, we were very active in Baltic states to develop new wave of political development in the European continent. And after fall of Berlin Wall, we were so happy to move forward and to promote peace, democracy, human rights and uh, progress. And we established this movement and it can help me to be, you know, more active presenting my views. And of course, I was elected to Lithuanian Supreme Council Council, where it was a historical, you know, like to say, um, event when we proclaimed uh, and restored Lithuanian state and proclaimed our independence. And then after, I always was in politics, but always being involved in health problems, in social problems, and of course, also following situation in the European Union. And it can help me to understand better what does it mean health in European Union politics and 
and how can we move forward developing new ideas about health in the EU. So it seems like you were involved in a lot of pioneering efforts throughout your life. And it seems like the European Health Union Initiative was just a natural next step for you after ending your career in the European Commission. You have been on the front line of this movement for the European Health Union for more or less since the beginning of the pandemic. Could you tell us a bit about the manifesto that was drafted by the group and how it originated and which main issues it addresses and which goals it has? First of all, I am very happy that before uh, such period of uh, Ursula von der Leyen Commission, I was in the commission of Jean-Claude Juncker. And I studied very much, you know, very important uh, books. How can we understand European health policies, which were built by group of very prominent, you know, public health experts like uh, Joseph Figueros, uh, Martin McKee, and uh, Ilona Kikbush and others. And it can help me to better understand my job being commissioner for health and food safety. But I started to see real, you know, determinants, especially speaking about competences of the European Commission. The competences in the European Commission enshrined in the treaty are very weak in health, much broader in food safety and very weak in, in, in health, especially in public health. And after, you know, after 2020, the start of 2020 was marked by COVID-19 global pandemic and mismanagement of pandemic by national governments in early spring of 2020 indicated the strong international cooperation is needed to mitigate uh, the unfolding crisis. On 9th of May, uh, Europe commemorated 70th anniversary of Schuman Declaration that paved road for the long-lasting peace in Europe of the diseases kill people as do wars. And it was so painful picture that it was a good momentum to join um, forces to invite my friends from different countries, public health specialists, and to build manifesto following Ursula von der Leyen's statement that she is ready to develop new stage of development of the European Health Union, saying that for her is crystal clear that European Health Union is needed. And we decided to took opportunity and to propose our, our ideas. And Ilona Kikbush, she proposed to build a manifesto as a format to frame main findings of our discussions, previous discussions. And we did it. And as you know, uh, it was so successful step because we decided to disseminate manifesto through member states, uh, national parliaments and uh, European parliament. Thank you, Vitanis. I think back of that time very fondly also. Again, it was a pioneering effort also there, I would say. If you could maybe explain shortly, I mentioned the European Commission's plans for a European Health Union earlier. What sets the goals of the European Health Union initiative apart from the concept of a European Health Union that the Commission envisions? First of all, we decided to go in much broader context of European Health Union, keeping in mind 
uh, that EU is always in the progress to develop some unions, single market, banking union, monetary and financial union, digital union. But now, now is time to develop union of health and well-being union. At health is very integrated parameter. And we decided to build manifesto calls on the political leaders of Europe in the frame of the conference on the future of Europe uh, to commit to creating a strongest European health union. It invites the people of European Europe to engage in building a health policy that contributes to the long-term sustainable development of the European Union. Commitment to progress should not be framed by just necessity to fight COVID-19 within the framework created by existing European treaties. Rather, it should be framed by the necessity to show the people of Europe that our union is there to protect us all. The pandemic has created a window for opportunity to, to take strong public actions to build a union where life and health of everyone matters. Health and well-being union is new stage of development and it is very close to people's hearts. The manifesto sets out a vision of European health union developed by the signatories. We need to build European health union where all people are as healthy as they can be through their lives. And we propose our goals, how to move in such direction. And of course, keeping in mind that it is not enough to develop a European health union based on today's existing treaty limits. Those limits do not allow to move in much more effective health policies in the EU and globally. Thank you, Vitenis. So basically, could it be seen for the manifesto to call for a European health union that is not only reactive, but is very encompassing and also taking the moment? Could we see COVID-19 even as a kind of a catalyst for this movement? Yes, that's right. Only kind of the catalyst and only opportunity to raise those questions which are so important to understand why we need to have much strongest capabilities at EU level to solve issues. You know, my experience as commissioner for health and food safety was so clear. I see very weak mechanisms in area of member states cooperation. Ministers of Health, they are gathering only two times per year. One health minister's council in half a year, a formal council. And if you compare how many times ministers of agriculture, fishery are gathering together, or ministers of finance and monetary issues, <clears throat> you can see absolutely disproportion. And when we are speaking about possibilities to cooperate and to coordinate and to promote member states' activities, we need to see much better cooperation of ministers of health and also speaking about possibilities to develop common you know, meetings together with other ministers because health is interrelated. And of course, also, you know, if you can see areas with, for example, with rare diseases and rare cancers, no one country can treat people with rare diseases. You need to have efforts at European Union level and European reference networks was a first step, only first step. 
based on voluntary activities, but it can show why we need to strengthen our actions in KA and QA where no one member state can have enough capacities to treat people because they have no possibilities. Health, once again, to understand that European Health Union is not in favor to bring much more powers to European Union institutions. Not. It is the wrong understanding. It is much more powers to deliver our obligations, leaving no one behind, speak about health, on the ground in the member states and strengthening member states' cooperation. Please keep in the example of COVID today. For me, it's crystal clear. It is not enough instruments, common instruments, to address much more better issues related to pandemic management. And uh, I can continue and continue. My experience shows that, you know, we need to, to understand all obstacles and we need to improve Lisbon treaties with shared competences between member states and European institutions to do much effective and much coordinated job in all issues related to public health problems. As you mentioned, there seems to be some reluctance by national policymakers, what they see as handing over power to the EU. So I would say that this could have been kind of a pitch for national policymakers to understand that in the end, it would strengthen their role by working together more on a European level, right? Uh, yes, for sure. First of all, let me be very open and very clear. Now I see a few politicians at national level who really understand these issues. How can they work being as member states and being as Europeans in the same time? Being Lithuanian and being European, being Austrian and being European, being French and being European. Such understanding that health is interconnected issue. You have no chance to address issues with air pollution, with climate change, with, you know, with pesticides, with food issues, without being that you must act in the same direction, doesn't matter, it's on local level or national level or European level. It means that we need to encourage our national politicians to think globally. It means to think European and act locally and act at national level. It is not about, you know, about simple understanding that something is in Brussels and something is in every member state differently. And some, uh, a lot of national politicians are blaming Brussels, explaining, <laughs> like to say, their uh, steps. It is wrong understanding about EU. And it is very visible when I visited all 27 member states parliaments. I did a lot of lectures speaking about the possibilities to overcome national obstacles and to show that we need to extend our understanding about better cooperation, about a better delivery, about better cooperation. And it is the main obstacle is, of course, is lack of understanding of EU values.
As you mentioned, Vitenis, what we saw in the onset of the pandemic was exactly the opposite, right? The single member states were retreating into their national borders and looking after their country foremostly. And only in the course of the pandemic did it become clear that this is not the way forward. This is not how we can deal with a crisis of that magnitude. If you think back of your work as a health commissioner, do you think it would have changed your work substantially if European Health Union had existed already then? Yes, no doubt, for sure. Absolutely, crystal clear. Mm -hmm. For me, it's crystal clear that, so to say, it would be so different picture if some shared competences will be enshrined in Lisbon Treaty, especially in areas of cross-border health threats, in areas of rare diseases, in areas of rare cancers, and of course also in public health actions at pan-European scale. Of course, it would be so a different picture if I will uh, have opportunity to gather with member states and health ministers four times per half a year or eight times per year debating all issues about pharmaceutical uh, problems, about uh, research, about development of new treatments and so on, it would be a completely different picture, for sure. We do see a lot of developments in that direction now. I think we have definitely seen a lot coming out of this pandemic that is pointing in the right direction. But as you're saying, you and the initiative are more ambitious and want to take it even a step further and are even discussing a treaty change. How likely do you think that a treaty change might happen over the next few years? It is very difficult to predict it. First of all, let's keep in mind that Conference on the Future of Europe is ongoing issue. And we need to provide much more information for uh, members of the conference, for national parliaments, for uh, our non-governmental organizations, that without possibilities to improve a little bit Lisbon treaties, in, to extend a little bit you know, capacities at EU level and to encourage member states to better cooperate, to better coordinate and to be more active in public health and healthcare and care areas. It would be no progress. We need to understand that today's proposals to strengthen only cross-border healthcare capacities or to strengthen European Union agencies like uh, European Medicines Agency or European Center for Disease uh, Control and Prevention, it is not enough. Also speaking about European autonomy, strategic autonomy in pharmaceutical industry, or, you know, to strengthening issues related to financial instruments to finance much more research in area of medicine. But it is not the same when you are looking at possibilities to change situation on the ground. Because if you need to help people with real challenges, it doesn't matter they are suffering from rare diseases or cancer, or they need to have more access to more effective treatment, we need to encourage member states to cooperate in much, uh, you know, effective way. But please look at Lisbon Treaty. You have no shared competences at EU level. You can only support, promote, facilitate, coordinate if member states have 
wish to do it. If not, you can't, you have no chance to do it. And I would like to send that message to the conference of European, uh, of the future of Europe. Please keep in mind, we need to be much more proactive. European Union should show that we need to have new stage of development of European Union. European Union of health and well-being, environmental, health and social dimension must be combined together and to help us to achieve better living conditions for people. And this message is very simple, but it's very strong message. We need to strengthen not only social pillar, we need to strengthen environmental and health pillar together. And such togetherness can help us to have new stage of development of European Union. But without treaty amendments, we have no chance to move forward. Yeah, so quite ambitious goals that we're following here. And uh, what do you see as main obstacles that we might be facing and what is needed to drive the initiative forward from your point of view? First of all, I think we can see a lot of determinants, political determinants, first of all. Now we see uh, different governments which are more in favor to promote some nationalistic approaches. And it is a big obstacle. If we think about possibilities to have more integrated European Union, integration means that we need all to move in the same directions, not to thinking about possibilities to defend our own national interests. is not the way of life in European Union. The way of life in European Union is to understand solidarity, social justice, and human rights. And health is one of the human rights pillars. And it means that we need to overcome such, you know, domestic nationalistic approaches. We need to be much more pro-Europeans today. We have a lot of political determinants and obstacles around, and of course, a lot of tensions now. We have difficult military conflicts around European Union. And of course, you know, you see that some anti-European forces are in different countries uh, manifesting. It's a very dangerous situation. Why? Because people do not see new stage of development of the EU. The old ideas about single market, about it's okay, but it's not enough. We need to understand that people think about their living conditions, living and working conditions, and the health is common denominator speaking about living and working conditions. Human capital is the main goal of European Union to develop human capital. And without health, you have no chance to move forward. So you are referring to the situation in the Ukraine at the moment, Vitanis? Yes, of course. You know, now we see tensions around, mm -hmm. now uh, a lot of uh, geopolitical tensions around the Ukraine. Uh, European Union goal is to promote peace, to promote stability, and to promote democracy, and to promote human rights. And uh, speaking about global activities of the EU, global health should be very important platform overcoming tensions and promoting health issues in our neighborhood policy. 
It can build bridges between our different neighbors. And health can be one of the factors of our external actions. And global health and EU, strongest EU, the strongest global health activities can also help to overcome obstacles and political tensions which now are in Ukraine or in different places around the EU. So health as a provider also of security. Yes, of course, no doubt. Health as provider of security. Now we can face global health threats around us. It's not only pandemic. It's antimicrobial resistance. It's a lot of new. It's climate change. You can see a lot of threats which can affect people's health directly. And we need to understand that EU should have much more powers at an international level developing global health concept. Uh, speaking about new pandemic treaty, it's crystal clear we need to do it. We need to have pan-European health threats council because in European region, WHO European region has 53 countries around. It's not only 27, 53. What can we do together addressing pandemia now? We need uh, international instruments, but without possibilities of much strongest EU in health, we have no chance to have strongest global health concept. Which is also one of the goals that we've defined in the manifesto. Generally, Vitenis, we have engaged quite a lot in different dissemination activities over the last year. And we've talked to policymakers, as you mentioned, and we've started this podcast series. What do you see as next steps to drive the initiative forward? Uh, next steps are, first of all, I am very happy that we can organize a lot of podcasts, a lot of events, a lot of articles. And of course, also now are organizing our debates about European Health Union at your active um, platform, which uh, should start in February, on 21st of February. And of course, also, I am very active in debates with our national parliaments, and we need to send letters and materials to all national parliaments, uh, to their committees, and to develop debates about it. And Conference of the Future of Europe is a a right platform where we can act very actively proposing uh, our manifesto and our explanatory memorandum. And I am happy that the Foundation of European Progressive Study built our Europe Future book where article about European Health Union is enshrined. And it also was included into the topics of the conference on, on the future of Europe. But of course, it is not enough. We need to go forward and we need to activate our debates because we are facing new European Parliament elections after two years. And European Health Union should be high on the political agenda. This is the way we know you, Vitenis. You never stop, do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's do it together. Vitenis, before we wrap up, one last question to you. If you were granted one main wish for the future of Europe, what would it be? Very simple message. We need to move into direction to build a health and well-being union where every life is matter. 
Okay, thanks very much, Vitenis. A big thank you for joining me today and for sharing your story and, as always, for showcasing your passion for health in Europe and globally. Thank you also to our listeners. Tune in again for our next European Health Union Now editions. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Please visit europeanhealthunion.eu to learn more and support the initiative and follow us at EHU Initiative on Twitter. Stay tuned for our upcoming events.